Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you'd like to support the ministries of Rancho Church as we advance the cause of Christ together, you may do so at rancho.tv slash giving. Enjoy. Well, we're at the uh, tail end of this XYZ series and we're celebrating the younger generations. Uh, several weeks ago, we interviewed four people from the great traditions generation, 75 plus, and then uh, six people from the boomer generation who built an amazing uh, economy that's the engine of the world. Uh, last week, we celebrated the truly greatest generation, Generation X, my people. Nice hair bands, mullets, right? The whole deal. And uh, <laughs> this week, we're going to uh, celebrate the, the millennial generation. Will you welcome Generation Y, ladies and gentlemen? These are some great friends of ours, uh, part of Rancho, and we've got a, a fantastic uh, group of millennials. And as our church is wonderfully uh, diverse, we are so, so excited to have so many hundreds of young people involved in Rancho. And uh, now, Justin and Britt, you guys are married. We know you very well. The uh, freestyle up there, always good. When you break down in uh, you know, your break dancing a couple of weeks ago, just nothing better than that. Actually, there's a lot better than that. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you two kind of break the, the mold, or I guess the stereotype of, of millennials. You know, we kind of lazily stereotype people. And uh, millennials, as we'll talk about, get a little bit of, of a bad rap, but we're celebrating them today. You are hard workers, both of you. I mean, you work. You know how to work. Um, you got uh, married young. You started a family. You've got a beautiful kid, Ella. Um, you're professionals. And, and yet you have a different version of the American dream. So, Britt, how would you define that? Yeah, well, we grew up as millennials being told by our parents that you could do anything, just work hard, do anything, dream big, go to college, you can get your dream job, you know, white picket fence, that American dream. And so we, I subscribed to it. Um, and then the mid-college, the 2008 crisis hit, and I saw family, friends, neighbors just lose everything, that, that dream shattered. And so that kind of shifted how, not what I was doing, but why am I doing what I'm doing, my purpose and my intention. And I started asking a lot of just why, why am I doing blank? Um, so that was one big shift. And another big shift was when, once we got married, we bought a brand new car and we had buyer's remorse the moment we drove it off the lot because we thought that was what we should do is buy a brand new car. That was the next big thing. It wasn't. <laughs> um, and so that remorse just hit us big and that prompted a conversation with us of what are true dreams and desires and hopes and fears and how can we change that and live a more purposeful, intentional, meaningful life, not necessarily on that American dream path, but maybe shifted a little bit more to live within our means, to, to do things with intentionality, to go where we want to go, spend money where we want to spend money in a, in a proper way and fashion. And that really has shaped how we have lived, how we interact with each other, with friends, where we spend our time, and of course, being parents. Now, um, Justin, you uh, are our high school pastor here, but like you said earlier, you impact middle school through college, Temecula Marietta, and uh, you always invite students to participate in the meaningful. And, And what do you mean when you ask our students to participate in the meaningful? That's a, that's a good question. I, I would say using words like that help our students understand the gospel best. Invitation, participation, and what is truly meaningful. And, and I just think, for me personally, like, and, and I'll just be honest with you guys, like, we don't have any debt. 
and, and we bought us a house already and we sold that house and blah, 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 and all these different things and we don't have any car payments. Those kind of things are things we like to share with the kids because we paid attention, because we were trying to be thoughtful of what's a life that Jesus invites us into, what matters most. And so that's why we're kind of communicating those things to the kiddos and the next generation because they're, they are asking questions but how we ask those questions and what those questions lead us into is where the value's at, truthfully. And so I just think that's what's so, so beautiful that when we are invited into a faith like Christianity, that God's not a God that's keeping score. Like we want to see the voiceless have a voice. We want to see the naked clothed. We want to see the hungry fed. Those are things that matter. And I'm just excited to, to pour into kids. We're, we're having these conversations and we're thinking through those things and, 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 and kind of living into a fear-free faith. But it's really going to be the next generation and our equipping and our pouring into those next kiddos. Surrey, dude, that's <laughs> awesome. Pouring into the next kiddos that are really activating and putting those groups together and moving things forward. So That's great. And you're starting those conversations not with, only with our youth at church, but with the school. Just trying yes. to create a broad conversation among the younger generations about truly what is meaningful. Absolutely. Which is, it's people. It's impacting people and helping the, the marginalized. And, uh, and you don't have to subscribe to a lot of the things that, that they're being pulled into. Now, Tamara, you're a, an amazing part of Rancho as well. You volunteer here on Sunday mornings. Uh, you're a leader. You pour your vocation into the next generation. You're also a part of real intentional efforts to bridge gaps between people. And there are a lot of gaps between people. I mean, it's an election year. We're absolutely certifiably insane um, <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a nation. Uh, but there's gaps politically, of course. There's gaps economically and socially and racially. And you're involved in groups to, to bridge those gaps. How would you describe the motivation behind that? Definitely. So um, I just believe that in our generation, of course, we all hear about social media and we hear some of the negative things. But because of social media, my generation is connected with people from so many different walks of life. It's not just the people that I work with. It's not just the people in the neighborhood that I grew up with. It's people from all over the world. It's people just like Scott, you mentioned, from different socioeconomic statuses, different religious views, people who express gender differently than I do, people who, you know, have different religions. And by able being able to see those people and understand their perspectives, I also see that how the systems we have in place aren't equal for all people. I can see that there's injustices out in the world, and like Justin mentioned as well, our generation was brought up to be critical thinkers. So not only are we critical about how we spend our time and money, we're also critical about systems that are in place, systems that were here long before we were here. And if I notice that there's injustices, then I wanna know why is that the case? Why has nobody done anything about it? Our generation is built up and changed. All we've known is change, mostly through technology, but we see change as a positive. We see it as innovation. We see it as being more efficient. And when we subscribe to things that are there because that's the way we've always done them, it's not enough for us. We wanna push forward. We wanna ask the tough questions, have the tough conversations. And through social media, we also use that as a platform to be loud and be vocal about these things. Again, unfortunately, sometimes we get called snowflakes because everybody thinks we're super sensitive. <laughs> but but I feel like if we're sensitive about injustices, I'm okay with that. We should be vocal about those things and knowing that there's a lot of communities out there that are marginalized and aren't getting the same treatment as others in power or privilege, however that's shown, but that if we're vocal about it and bring attention to it, then we can start change. That's great. Awesome. Uh, Brayden. 
the millennial generation is also known for environmentalism, environmental sustainability. And uh, for those who are, tend to be a little older, myself in, included, it wasn't that big of a value when we were young. And the young generation is kind of waving their hands saying, this is really important, we need to pay attention to that. Uh, that drives you as well. So what is the motivation behind that uh, drive for envir environmental sustainability? Yeah, for, for me, it really started when I was young with really being encouraged to read and not just read, but actually live in a way that reflected the information that I was reading and processing. I'm an Enneagram 5 as well, for those of you who don't know what that is, that means investigator. Like, the, I'm the type of person where before I speak about something, I read an insane amount on it. So tie that to just the reality of just how I grew up. Google search engine launched when I was four years old. I remember in first grade actually being sat down and taught how to use Google in, in classrooms. And just tie that to social media, the launch of social media and the iPhone in 2008 when I was in middle school. We really have a world of information at our fingertips, as well as being able to see in real time what people are identifying as these are the big issues. And I can, I've consistently seen environmental sustainability be the, the big one that bubbles up to the surface, which I, I just think is so interesting. And the reality that the Holy Spirit has a way of showing us intuitively what what we need to focus on, what we need to prioritize. I think there was this intuitive sense in the traditionalist generation that what, we, what they needed to do to move forward culturally was to build strong families, so that's what they did. And then you look at boomers and Gen X, and really in that cultural moment, there was this need to really let's build a civilization, let's work hard, and so that's what they did. And I think right now there's this intuitive sense of we need to preserve and protect our planet, so that's what we're trying to do. That's great. And uh, you're our middle school pastor. You're also a student at Harvard. And so you're using all the tools around you and the influence around you to help build awareness to this. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Now, Kelsey, you're also a vital part of Rancho as well. You serve and help to lead our, our special needs ministry, including the Thrive ministry every week and summer camp, Johnny and Friends, as well as Night, Night to Shine. So we thank you for your service as well. Uh, it's very important. Um, what drives uh, you and, and maybe many in your generation to look out for those who are marginalized. In your, in your case, uh, you've got a heart for the special needs community. What, what drives the younger generation to serve in this way? Um, I think there are multiple factors that go into driving our generation. Um, one thing is that our parents have always encouraged this generation to pursue higher education. So like Brittany was saying earlier, let's pursue those dreams, let's get college degrees. Um, so I know there's so many people from my undergraduate class who went on to get masters and doctorate degrees and really we're serving those marginalized populations. So I'm getting my degree in occupational therapy. Um, so I've learned a lot throughout my undergraduate bachelor's degree as well as my current degree right now. Um, I've been learning so much about not only um, how to be there for people with special needs, but people who are homeless or who are in acute care in hospitals. So this generation is just a lot more aware of issues that are going on through education. And I think as well, this generation is very volunteer oriented. So we're not just um, interested in sitting in a sermon and just nodding our heads and going along with that, we actually want to do something about these systemic injustices we see. So That's great. And you're about to get your doctorate in occupational therapy in order to continue that equipping towards the, this kind of ministry. And you guys are both getting married here pretty soon. So Ew. congratulations. Everybody's on a big win here, winning streak. So <laughs> that's very cool. Good to see you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. The millennial generation. It's a fascinating group of people, uh, and I, I got to say, one of my favorites to hang out with because they are so fascinating. Now, since many of them, as we've seen, 
were potentially overprotected growing up, and the center of attention is children, something happened, right? They're known for being hypersensitive, and they've been labeled the me generation. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Yet that same sensitivity has created an action-oriented empathy that's bringing a selfless vision of equality, dignity, and justice for everyone everywhere. And we've seen that here. It's really a fascinating generation. Now, they do get a bad rap, and, and, and some of these folks that we've talked to understand, understand that, that there is a little bit of a condescension toward the millennial generation for being the me generation. But that started in 2013, particularly with a Time Magazine cover. And I wanna show you that cover. <clears throat> Let's get a, a close-up here. The me, me, me generation. Millennials are lazy, entitled narcissists who still live with their parents, dot, 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 but they'll save us all. So we're gonna talk about that. How did they get this reputation, and how is God going to use them to save us all? Now, the millennials are, are known for being somewhat narcissistic, but I'm going to take this wild stab here. I don't think they're any more narcissistic than any other generation. It's just that whatever narcissism has to, has, is within every young person, it happens to be on display in social media for everyone to see, right? I'm going to give you one example. Here is a, uh, a wannabe millennial influencer who had a nice meal at an Italian restaurant. I'm going to actually show you her one-star review. You ready? Here you go. Everything was very delicious. She says, I was actually so impressed that when the manager came to ask how everything tasted, I told her it was some of the best Italian food I've had and told her I'm going to post about it on Instagram where I have 11,000 followers and a lot of them are in the area. The manager seemed very happy about that. I was wrong. I thought she would be grateful for the free advertisement, but when the check came, there was literally no discount at all. I thought at least one of the entrees would be taken off, but they didn't even take off the calamari or the drinks. That's why people make fun of millennials at times. Because some of the narcissism spills out on social media, but here's the deal. I don't think they're any more narcissistic than any other previous generation. It's just my generation's narcissism wasn't on the World Wide Web. My narcissism spilled out to my parents and my brother and my six friends. That was about it. Now young narcissism spills out to the entire world. And so we just kind of see it more often. Um, and there's also a, a trajectory of why they might be perhaps self-centered in some ways, and it's not their fault. Here's just a summary of our generational trajectory here. The traditionalist generation, 75 years and older, they sacrificed to ensure our country was free with plenty of opportunity for the next generations. Their kids, the boomers, took that freedom and took that opportunity, and they built an amazing American economy, which is the engine of our world today. But they spent a lot of time at work, and so their kids oftentimes were latchkey kids and by themselves. And so Generation X rises up and says, we're going to spend a lot of time and attention on our kids. And Gen X parents spend a lot of time and a lot of attention with their kids, kind of overprotecting their kids. This isn't everybody, but this is generality. Overprotecting their kids and making sure their feelings are never hurt and they get their participation trophies, right? Um, somebody made a joke that the star in the back as you walked in was because every millennial is a star, right? It's actually from the night to shine. They're the stars. But um, it, th there is a sense in which because they were so protected and cared for in the center of the world, um, oftentimes they feel as though they're entitled to that kind of world for their, the rest of their lives. But the reality is all of us have to work on selfishness. 
all of us have to work on our own brand of narcissism. In fact, Jesus says our whole life with him, following Jesus is about a path from selfishness to selflessness. What did Jesus say? If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, and this is kind of going out and seizing life for me, you're going to lose it. That's a lost life. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. It's the good news of God's love, of God's grace, of God's goodness, of God's care for other people. Jesus says life is about love received from God and shared. The great commandments, love God, love others. This is that meaningful life. This is a life that truly has influence and significance, right? It's a life that truly matters for something beyond ourselves. So we can say that selfishness and narcissism is a millennial problem. It's not. It's a human problem. More specifically, it's a young human problem. Uh, in fact, let me show you a magazine cover from 1976. 1976. The me, the me decade. And so every young generation is accused of being selfish. Every single one. So it's not different with the millennials. Uh, in fact, there was a study from the National Institute of Health that really looked into the surveys that, that said millennials were more selfish than others, and they found a lot of issues with that, that in fact some of the narcissism markers of the millennial generation are no different than the previous generations. No different than Gen X when they were young. No different than the boomers when they were young. And so here's the conclusion. It's not that people born after the 1980s are narcissists. It's that young people are narcissists. And they get over themselves as they get older. In fact, brain science makes it very clear that, that empathy, the ability to feel what other people are feeling, particularly people who are suffering and struggling, empathy isn't fully developed in the human brain until the mid-20s. And so just brain science sort of hardwires narcissism when we're young. That's what helps us survive youth but we start becoming more empathetic in the mid-20s. So let's give all younger generations a break. We're sort of wired, selfish, and self-protecting as we get older, as we get into our 20s, as we live a little bit of life, as we hear some other stories, as we start maybe volunteering a little or giving a little, that means that our hearts are going to other places, other directions, other people, and that's when we mature in our selflessness. But here's another thing about millennials that I'm absolutely convinced of, and the data seems to indicate this is true. Millennials actually possess more of a selfless value in their youth than any other previous generation. They're saving the world as they advance the cause of Christ. There's something very special going in within the millennial, the millennial generation. Even though they do have that sort of narcissistic trend that every other generation has had, it just spills out on social media, there's something special in the millennial generation. They are starting to think more and more, as you heard back here, about others, about people who are marginalized, on the edges, people who are forgotten or voiceless or powerless, people who have been uh, maybe uh, marginalized or have gone without uh, who have been the victim maybe of systemic, structural, societal um, uh, institutions. And, and they're, they're getting to know their, their stories and sharing their stories and creating opportunities for them to rise. Here's some reasons why the millennials, I believe, are advancing the cause of Christ in powerful ways. They do care about the marginalized, specifically care about people that are on the edges. And so causes have sort of swelled up within the millennial generation that include uh, racial equity, gender equity, immigrant equity, um, uh, refugee equity, LGBTQ equity, economic equity, and power equity. 
Now, previous generations have had these kind of movements and have done a lot of good, but the millennials are bringing it to everyday life. So it's not the activists out there. They're mobilizing everyday life, everyday relationships, everyday context, and bringing these issues to the forefront. There's a couple of reasons for that. The first is that they live in a very tiny world. When I was young, I lived in a big world, a big world where, I mean, if I were to, to read a news story about Northern California as a Southern California, I would barely care about it because it was a long way away. If there was anything that happened on the East Coast when I was growing up, I could care less. Yeah, it's my country. I kind of care, but um, not really. They're back East. If something happened internationally, it would be a blurb on the international pages way in the back of the newspaper. Some of you don't even know what newspaper is. Look it up. Google it right now. I mean, way back, there'd be the international section of the newspaper. Newspapers were designed to care about local first, me first. Hey, I hear some national stuff and some international blurbs. That is not the world today. The world today is really tiny. And so a virus outbreak in China matters to all of us. Why? Because we're so interconnected, not just with social media and stories, but with travel and business. I mean, we are all over each other, so that matters. A, a small Islamic caliphate in Syria matters to us all because we are so well connected. Human trafficking in India matters to all of us. We're so interconnected. Gun violence in Chicago matters because we're so interconnected. The millennial generation grew up with a world that big and getting smaller. Everything matters, everyone matters, and so there's a heart for all people that's very unlike when we grew up. And this is in line with the heart of God. Galatians 3.28 has to be my favorite passage. There is no longer Jew or Gentile. God wants to bridge all racial divides so that everyone is treated equally, right? There is neither slave nor free. This is bridging the economic divides and the freedom divides. There's no longer male nor female. And so where there are divisions in terms of gender and roles and, and divisions and, and unequal pay, this generation is falling in line with the heart of Christ to bridge those gaps and to bring equality for all. Here's the millennial challenge right now that I think they're being faced with. They have the heart, they have the communication platform, but they don't yet quite know how to organize incredibly well. They need a little bit of coaching in this. Here's some reasons why. The millennials don't give a lot of money. They don't give a lot of money. Uh, in fact, here are the statistics about which generation gives. 88% of traditionalists, 75 plus, 88% of traditionalists give to charities. They give about $1,300 a year. 72% of boomers give to charity, about $1,200 a year. Gen Xers were the losers. The Gen Xers don't give a lot of money, only 59% of us, and we give very little. This is a problem for Gen Xers. I, I need to, to speak with you later. 84% of millennials are giving. Well, I thought you said there's a mobilization problem. Well, they're giving very little, about $500 a year. And that's not to be, you know, just kind of shunned. They give $500 a year, but how they give is very interesting. They give on whims. They give when motivated. So, for example, uh, they'll read an Instagram post and something will sort of stir their heart. There's some story, some, somebody in need, and there'll be a, a quick kind of crowdsource funding, you know, GoFundMe or some other digital platform, and they'll give right away and then go on with their lives. So, so millennials don't really give structurally. They just give when motivated in an instant. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, uh, they are not at the peak of their income, so they're not making a lot of money. And not only that, cost of living is up, and uh, millennials are saddled with an average of $37,000 in student debts, right? 
So there's some challenges there in terms of mobilizing their, their, their resources towards the cause they care about. They also have a little bit of a volunteering problem. 25.7% of boomers volunteer. 28.9% of Gen Xers volunteer. So as crummy as we are in, in giving, we're pretty decent at volunteering. I cannot explain that. We're just freakishly weird generation. 21.9% of millennials volunteer. One hour a year. One hour a year. And so there's a mobilization problem. Uh, one of the things that millennials do very well is they express their opinions, typically on social media. And so millennials think, and there's some truth to this, millennials think that if they do something on social media, that's actually doing something. And, and, and there's a part of that. Voice matters, right? What we say matters. Um, but retweeting is not necessarily activism. Retweeting is not necessarily courage. So let me read James 2, 15 through 17. And this is right from the Greek. So I, I translated this right from the Greek. You have to trust me. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you retweet a meme about helping the poor. That's what the Bible says. You retweet a meme about helping the poor, but then you don't give the person actual food or actual clothing, right? So this is sort of the, the gap here is you've got this, this millennial heart for people who are marginalized, but then are you actually giving a, a bit of food to somebody who's actually hungry? No, but I retweeted about it. It, there's, that gap has got to be filled. Now, the voice matters, the expression matters, but let's add to that real mobilization. What good does it do? So um, you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. So here we have the older generations that are a little bit better at generosity, a little bit better at volunteering, arguably not a lot, but how can we mobilize each other? And how can we take the, the voice of the millennials, right, who are out there and they're sharing, 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 how can we take the organizational skills of the older generation and merge all this stuff together to truly advance the cause of Christ? Friday night was a perfect example. Night to shine. Roughly 600 volunteers of all generations, from the oldest to the youngest. And, and as I saw the older generations work in Night to Shine, what were they doing? They were doing logistics. They were doing planning. They were doing spreadsheets. They were mobilizing their friendships. Say, hey, listen, we need some donations here. We need some food here. We need caterers here. We need decorations here. We need tech here. And we need media here. And we need everything from horse-drawn carriages to red carpets to every bit of decoration you see. The older people are doing a lot of the, the, the structural stuff, right? I planted myself at the end of the red carpet on Friday night. And it was there for maybe an hour. And I got to see the horse-drawn carriages take every king and queen to the to the, their announcement, their name is announced and everybody's cheering, hundreds of people cheering and they walk the red carpet and camera lights are flashing and they round the corner and that's when I got to see their faces. And I saw these smiling, beautiful faces, right? And that's usually right at the doors when their caregiver went to the caregiver room and the parent room for them to be well taken care of. And, and that's where their buddies were, their buddies. And the buddies are the heroes of, of Friday night. The ones who, who said, I'm going to spend the entire night making a prom experience for special needs kings and queens that they'll remember the rest of their lives. And I'm going to, I'm going to be with them and I'm going to dance with them. And I'm going to maybe clean up a couple of things that need to be cleaned up during that time. I'm going to make sure their medical needs are taken care of as they liaison with the medical team, which is full of older generation people. Who were the buddies that night? The millennials and younger the millennials and younger. So as the older generations are, are, are planning and logistics 
It's the younger generations that are dancing with the kings and queens. Isn't that beautiful? What a beautiful image of what we can do as a lifestyle, right? Working together, cross-generationally, to advance the cause of Christ. Uh, Second and finally, the millennials are not only caring for the marginalized, but they're caring for the planet. They care for the planet. And they are done with pollution. They're just done with pollution. They're done with polluters. They're done with the harm that pollution causes on this earth. They're done with stories of third world countries that are decimated by pollution and child uh, mortality because of pollution. They're done with kind of the long-term impacts of carbon buildup and so forth. They're just kind of done, right? And, And they're kind of screaming from the young generations to the old generations, will you listen to us and will you work with us to bring a more sustainable planet? And the older generations are mixed. Some of the older generations are saying, you know what, I'm not sure I buy the science. I'm not sure I'm as panicked as you are. Yeah, maybe something needs to be done, but I'm not quite sure I'm there with you yet. And the younger generations are really asking all of us to rally together toward a sustainable planet. In addition, older generations are, um, uh, who are religious tend not to value environmentalism because older generations who are religious were raised in religious communities that didn't care much about this planet. In fact, many of you in the older generations, for those of you who are here, you might remember being raised in church talking about the end times all the time. World's coming to an end, world's coming to an end. Well, if your theology is the world's coming to an end, am I really gonna be all that motivated to build a sustainable environment for the next 10,000 generations? No, I was raised in church and I didn't think I'd make it through high school before Jesus came down and blew up the whole place. Seriously, I'm not even joking. And, 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 so, and so now the younger generations are saying, we don't share that theology. Older generations had a theology that was built on the experiences of World War I, the Great Depression, World War II, the Holocaust, and a Cold War with a constant threat of thermonuclear extinction. And so you think the theology of end times had something to do with their actual life experience? 100%. The millennials don't have those kinds of Uh, existential threats uh, that they've been raised with. And so they don't have that theology. They have a different kind of theology. The theology that God cares about everyone unconditionally, everyone. That God is not so interested, as Justin said earlier, in keeping score. So God's not out there keeping score. Do you believe all the right things? You better or else. Are you doing all the right things? You better or else. The younger generation doesn't have that kind of looming threat over them. And so they're free to enjoy their relationship with God. They're free to live a life of being loved by God and then a life of loving others. So they're, they're kind of free from that old school threat and fear base, whether it's from uh, cultural and societal events, whether it's from religious threats, and they're, they're just more free now to think about a sustainable long-term future for the next 10,000 generations and, and the older generations who had a theology that the world's coming to an end didn't quite see some beautiful bits of theology that are right there in front of us. How about Romans chapter 8? Romans 8, that creation itself looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Right there, Romans 8. It's a salvation passage. What is salvation? It's all people coming to faith in the, in the grace of God through Jesus Christ 
All people realizing that it's about God's love and care, not about religious burdens, but God's forgiving love and grace that is to be received freely and shared freely. And it's about a whole story of redemption. Things that are broken made whole. Things that are far from God, near to God. Where people are apart, they're brought back together. And creation itself being raised from decay. It's right here. For you all know that creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And it's the young generations who are saying, listen, we think creation is kind of groaning here. We think creation itself is just being kind of suffocated by how we're treating this planet. And can we do better? And then we look to Genesis chapter 1, and we see some things that are pretty clear. Genesis 1, God's very proud of, of the planet that he creates. And so he calls the land good, and the water's good, the plant's good, and the tree's good, and the sea creatures are good, and the birds are good, and the land animals are good, and then all I create is good. And if God says, I created something very wonderfully and very creatively and very intentionally, and I say it's all good, shouldn't we who know God also declare this planet is good and we have to treat it very, very well? Now, there are discussions about the sciences. There are discussions about climate science, and I get that. But I think there's a great unity that can be said here because what we're doing is we're in our corners and we're lobbing insults at each other about client science. And I have to say, as an old person in the room, uh, on the second half of, of this journey, we've been disappointed by client science. Client, climate science. You young generations don't know this, but in the 70s, I was worried about global cooling. Any, any, any brothers and sisters from the 70s? It was about global cooling. It was about the next ice age. And there were statistics and there were charts coming out that were heading into a next ice age. That was the 70s. And then they said, oh, never mind. And then the 80s, it was the ozone hole. You remember that? You, this is a very young crew. <clears throat> some of you were with me, some of you were not. It was about the ozone hole. It just blew up in, in, in Antarctica. And then later, ah, it's really not that big a deal. It kind of goes up and, well, yeah, there's probably something, but it's not that big a deal. So now it's, now, then it was global warming, which changed to um, uh, climate change. And so for those of us who have gone through a few cycles, and especially for Gen Xers, we're critical and cynical about everything. We're like, yeah, right. And so there's these arguments about science, climate science. And those people who are older have had some rough spots. The younger generations have not gone through those climate science disappointments. And frankly, their science is better. Science gets better over time. Their science is better. So the models are better and the predictions are better. And so instead of us old folks saying, yeah, right, you know, we've been there and done that and we'll just wait for this whole thing to die down. How about we take a step back and to say something's going on in the young generation. It happens to line up with the heart of God's word to care for his creation, to be good stewards of his creation. Let's not get in our corners and yell, at, yell insults at each other. Let's find common ground. And there's huge common ground, huge, huge common ground here. I'll just, I'll just make it real, real simple. Will anybody say we need another 500 dirty coal-fired plants in the world? Would, would, would anybody step up and say we need another? Best thing for humanity is, is another 500 coal-fired dirty power plants in the world. Nobody's going to say that. I don't care how politically conservative or, or, or how old you are or how you know, stereotypically angry you might be at environmentalism. We don't need another dirty uh, coal-fired plant in the world. So we can agree on that. Can we agree that cleaner energy is better than dirty energy? I think we probably agree on that. Can we agree that maybe we can work together to make this planet cleaner because a cleaner planet is better for everybody? There's a lot of things we can agree on, but I'm telling you, I'm gonna sound like an old fool here probably, but I am telling you, news media wants you angry and in a corner. 
Politicians want you angry and in a corner because the more the media and the more politicians can get you angry, the more clicks, the more views, the more money they're gonna make. That's just the way it is. We don't have to buy into it. We can be gentle and kind and warm and friendly and say, I might not agree with you on the science. I might not agree with you on the strategy, but let's get together and let's do two things. Let's help people that are in need. Let's elevate the marginalized and let's make this world a better place to live for everybody. Let's clean up this environment. Can we do that together? I think the answer is yes. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you. Clap after our prayer. It's gonna be a really good prayer. Our God and Father, we, we thank you for this series. I am, have just been so excited to celebrate every generation from traditions to boomers to Gen X to millennials and next week to celebrate Gen Z, this up-and-coming generation that you're going to use even more powerful than the previous. Thank you that every generation has their own unique contributions to, to make in this world. And thank you for the millennial generation. You're doing powerful things. The, the heart is there. The passion is there. The voice is there. I pray that there would be this wonderful merging of the generations to say, let's add to that structures and systems. Let's add to that plans that are smart, reasonable, and pragmatic. Let's work together toward advancing the cause of Christ, helping people that are in need, lifting up the marginalized, and seeing to it that this world can rise again to the vision that you have for it, where everyone is loved, everyone is free, everyone has enough, and the planet is clean and sustainable for the next 10,000 generations. For your honor and for your glory, in Christ's name we pray, amen.